This time of year is one of change, a time of transition. As the sun goes down earlier and earlier, the nights grow darker and the leaves fall from the trees. In our misty, murky crystal ball, we also see the arrival of Samhain, the festival that marks the beginning of winter. But for most of us, a far more important date. Halloween! My producer seems keen for me to do a spooky laugh around here. Hold on. <clears throat> Ooh, I think I might need a throat lozenge. Halloween means lots of things. Costumes, sweets, bonfires and pumpkins. Public service announcement. Don't forget, carve them late and you can eat the leftovers on November 1st. Over. But one creature of the night that is forever linked this season is the bat. It doesn't help that Bram Stoker invented Dracula, tying the winged rodent forever to the terrors of the vampire. I don't know much about bats, really. Well, I know that they're nocturnal, and I know that most of them sleep in caves. I know plenty about bats. Bats are really, really persuasive creatures. (laughs) I mean, they're just telling you to do something, and that thing is looking through my eyes. Can you please find me some insects? Give me an insect. A lot of people aren't very smart. Oh, listen, bats live in caves and they drink blood and they have loads of big fangs. That is not true. People could be scared of them because what they look like and, like, stories about them sometimes. But they're just fine. They might have big teeth, but they're, they're really just fine. They might come close to you because they're curious. They're kind of curious creatures, so that's what I know about them. But today, we dispel the myths. Because bats are some of the good guys. Just over a month ago, in early September, we joined a very excitable crowd of all ages at Broombridge Lewis Station. They had gathered to go on a very special bat walk along the Royal Canal, led by bat expert and farmer, Donna Mullen. Hi, I'm Donna Mullen. I'm with Wildlife Surveys Ireland and connecting Cabra and Dublin City Council. Asked us to do a bat walk tonight. It's very exciting. Gosh, we must have about, I don't know, 60 or 70 people. So I hope the bats come out for them now. I'm Katrina, I'm Evie's man, and I'm part of Connecting Cabra, the group that helped to organise the bat walk this evening. Connecting Cabra, as a group, have tried to, I suppose, educate people and inform people about the biodiversity that already exists in their local area, to remind people of the biodiversity that exists in their area, and to kind of get them excited about it, and to also improve the biodiversity in Cabra. So we do things like tree giveaways, bulb planting information stalls at different events and we also organise walks like this like the bat walk to show people the amazing wildlife that's on our doorstep here We know from doing the survey here before with Connecting Cabra that there's bats feeding along this canal also it's kind of a safe place there's kind of a nice path we can all walk on because we have loads of small kids here today as well so we don't want anyone falling in the canal and as well it's interesting here because there's a lot of lights from the train station so we can actually see We'll stand here and look what it's like where there's lights and then we'll go to a place where there's no lights and hopefully we'll find more bat activity there. So we'll be able to demonstrate the effective lighting on bats and how bad it is for them. Donna started by telling the crowd about our native Irish bats. I don't have real live bats but these are my props to kind of give a little demonstration of what we're going to see tonight. This glove puppet is my biggest glove puppet and it's uh, supposed to be a Leisler's bat. I always hate, you know, when they tell you statistics about the wingspan and things. I've just found that really boring. 
So I, I'm going to tell you about their personalities. So the lies is bad. It's big and it's hairy. And Ireland is the world's stronghold for them. They like flying over big open spaces and they fly kind of in straight lines and up high, high in the sky. Often you'll hear them, but you won't see them. You'll hear them on the bat detectors. All our bats use echolocation, so they all make a high-pitched noise. We'll hear them with our bat detectors tonight. Usually to kind of figure out what you're, you're hearing on the bat detector... It's kind of a bit like with, with people. You know, the bigger the bass, the lower the voice. So if you think of like Pavarotti or, you know, these big opera singers, they have low pitch voices. And little tiny bats, like little tiny children, are squeaky and they have high pitch voices. So you can kind of tell on your bat detector if it's a low pitch it'll be one of our bigger bats. And if it's a high-pitched voice, then it'll be one of the smaller bats. A friend of mine had a lysis bat that couldn't fly. At this time of year, it would send out all its mating calls, so it would shout and roar, and it loved to be groomed with a paintbrush. It would, oh, it would just wiggle its back, and it was like a massage. The other thing about these lysis bats is that they're very polite. All our bats, they only eat insects. But you know when you go to somebody's house for, for dinner and they serve you up something that you think is absolutely disgusting, but you kind of feel you've got to eat it anyway, because just to be polite. But the lysis bat is like this. When we get a call from somebody saying, we have a bat in the house, it must be a fruit bat, it's eating a banana. Or it's eating scrambled eggs. It's always a lysis bat. So personality-wise, these are big, polite bats that like spa treatments, you know. Another one then that we're going to see, this is a pipistrelle bat. Well, the three types of pipistrelle. We used to think they were all the same bat because they all kind of look the same to our eyes. But now that we that we did DNA analysis and we, we realised some of them have different types of voices, so we actually figured that there's three different types of pipistrelle. There's the common pipistrelle and it flies around here yeah, on, on the rivers. And those of you that have bat detectors, you can see them. They echolocate at 45. They eat a lot of insects. They have to eat a third of their body weight every night in insects. So it's about 3,000 insects. It's equivalent to me eating about three stone of food every day, which I probably could if I was in a cake shop. But, <laughs> so they, so like people often say, what good are bats? Well, they eat an awful lot of our insects. If we didn't have bats, we would be absolutely swamped. And they eat a lot of biting midges and mosquitoes. The soprano pipistrelle looks pretty much like the common pipistrelle, but it sings at a higher voice. It's got a soprano voice. It sings at 55 kilohertz. And both these bats fly in kind of zigzags. They go after the insect and they turn and they go after another insect and they turn. So the bats chase the insects and then the insects kind of develop have evolved to escape from the bats so I don't know if you've ever noticed when you're driving along at night time and moths fall down in front of your car it's because they're here in your car and they think it's a bat so they drop to the ground to hide if the moth just falls straight down it can't catch it there is a third type of pipistrelle an enthusiast pipistrelle and strangely the enthusiast pipistrelle kind of had Brexit before Brexit was ever invented the males come across the border, but the females don't cross the border. Where well, we haven't found any female roosts, and it's kind of like our dream to find some females. Now the males come, and you hear them calling hopelessly all, all night long, you know, for for the for the girls to come along. But we ha don't have any uh, any roosts. Now the next bat that we found in Cabra, this fella is a Dobenton's bat. He only comes out when it's very very dark. 
and he flies along the water and he flies straight along the water and as he's flying along he uses his legs his little feet to scoop all the insects up you know like a big hoover or something his feet are and then it's like a little net with his feet and in fact they then get the, the insects and they flick them into their mouth so like it's amazing they're shouting so they can see they're catching their insect and they're throwing it into the mouth all at the same time. They have to be like acrobats. And you'll see at the moment, the babies are only just out. So the parents are flying along grand and the babies are crashing into things. They're getting lost. Just last week, we had a, a bat fly into our sitting room and fly around for half an hour, lost, not able to find its way out the window. You usually have like a week or two when everybody's ringing you saying, I thought it was a tea bag in my sink, but it's a bat. <laughs> so we have three types of meiosis bats. We have the Dobentons, a whiskered and a natterous bat, and all of them are very sensitive to light. And all of them kind of go along waterways. We've definitely found Dobentons bats here. And our final bat. This fella has... Ears. And he's the brown long-eared bat. He has fantastic hearing. So he's really quiet. And his whole way of catching food, the brown long-eared bat sneaks around, doesn't shout very much, sneaks around and grabs it. So it goes along from plant to plant and it's very quiet. And on the bat detector, you won't hear it at all. These bats, right, they love eating insects. They love eating moths and they love the butterflies. But apparently butterflies' wings must be disgusting. So they eat the body and they spit out all the wings on the ground. If you go into a barn, all these wings on the ground, you know that at night time, a brown long-eared bat comes in, eats the middle bit of the body, spits the wings onto the ground and then flies off. Now, the only place that we found these long-eared bats that spit out the insects was in Stephen's garden. <laughs> so, but they are around. They are around. They're another bat that have, they have big, big eyes and they're sensitive to light. So they like dark places. So, so there is another way that you can tell if you have bats or not. After they eat, what do they do? They poo. So I have... Ta-da! Bat poo! It's a remarkable poo. It doesn't. It's not bad. It's not smelly. It looks exactly like mouse poo. It's little lumps. Little small lumps. Like as soon as it eats, then it'll just poo? A bit of a time. There's a bit of a time there, yeah. But if you take a little bit of the poo in your hand and you crinkle it, it all just goes into dust. Whereas if you get a mouse poo and you do it, it just stays hard. So if you go into a house and you wonder, have I got bats? And you see poo, that's when you know whether you've got a, a bat or a mouse. Donna and others had brought along bat detectors. So it's an ultrasound detector. It's quite difficult to see bats. They just come and they're gone. But once you can hear them shouting, you know where they are. And it's just it's a great aid to finding them, you know. Ultrasounds are frequencies too high for the human ear to hear. But the detectors convert it into a sound we can hear. And so everyone had their ears peeled. Has anybody any questions about bats? Are they the best hearers in the world? Yeah, I think certainly they're the best hearers of high voices. They can hear much better than us, however. They probably can't hear us, but they can hear things uh, that are really high pitch. Here's a trick, right? The kids will be the best able to do this. What's the highest noise you can make? How far can you go? And here, see, can we get it on a bat detector? Can you see? 
Look! <laughs> Look! I knew you'd be good at that. Yeah, fantastic! <laughs> Anybody else want another go? Wait, no, When you're a kid, you can hear much higher noises than you can when you're an adult. So, like, often kids are going along saying, I can hear that, I can hear... And the adults are saying, you're making this up, you're imagining things. But kids can actually hear bats. But as you get older, your pitch comes down, you can't hear so well. So we have to use these machines. But even my son now, who is 25, he was running off the other day after a bat... And I, we were so jealous because he, so he can hear it. He's going over there, it's going. And we had to use the detectors to, to find it. As the sun went down and dusk began, we set off along the canal. I've got a bat detector. I don't know how it works yet, but I'm going to find out. My name is Elsa and I'm nine. And I'm really excited to see bats today. I don't usually see them, except this one time I saw a couple in a hotel in, in the swimming pool. It was funny. We were in a hotel, but it had been closed for half a year because of COVID, so the bats had moved in, and some of them were in the pool, so the people had to fish them out onto the outside of the pool. So when we went, my mum almost stepped on one, and I thought they were a frog. For a second, the lady who had to bring them out was scared of them. And it's really funny. Yeah, they were alive. Bats often live in houses. In the summertime, the females all get together and it's called a maternity roost. Bats like live in all kinds of places, in trees, in crevices, in rocks, in kind of cold places. But in the summertime, I suppose like us all, when they're having the babies, they want the best. So they want it really warm and really cosy. They want it 30 degrees, which is very, very hot. Often, when you look at them, you put your head into an attic, and if you feel heat hitting it, this is hot enough for bats. You would think in Ireland it's nearly impossible to get 30 degrees, but it's, it's amazing. So the females all bunch together, and they have their young, and they only have one young every year or every two years. So people kind of panic if they have 50 bats in their house. They think maybe it's going to be like mice, and I'll have 10,000 of them next year. But usually if you have 50 in your house, next year you do a count, you'll still only have 50. They're very long-lived for such a small animal. They can live up to 20 years. When you think like most mice and things, whatever, a year or two is all they live for. But they seem to have diseases or have whatever, but it doesn't seem to make them sick. So there's a lot of study going on in UCD looking at them to see, like, why don't they get arthritis? Why don't they get all the things of old age? What is it that bats have that they can come in contact with these diseases, get the antibodies but it doesn't make them sick the way it would us. It's like uh, bats have kind of the secret of eternal youth. And if we can only find out what that is, we'll all be flying around. <laughs> of course, there's no guarantee that just because you want to see them, the bats will play ball. I don't know, have any of you down the back up in the bat? No word from anything. And there was every chance that the walk would be bat free. I did have a man say to me once, I've come on two bat walks with you and I've never seen a bat. <laughs> we waited. I know we're standing by a waterway, there's nothing happening so far. But mostly, any waterway, about half an hour after sunset. And just planned to stay out for around an hour. And waited. But then... There we go! There is... It's the Prano Pipistrelle. Just come by. A short time after dusk, the air filled with sound. Yeah, you're coming along this way. It's a soprano pipistrelle. So if you anyone with the bat detectors, if you turn it to 55, it's the one with higher voice, you know. You wait for him to come back now. Oh, sorry. It's just come down. Hey, here we go. 
You see the way they're zigzagging? Yeah, I was telling you, yeah. And there's another one. Oh, hey. Yeah, this is one of all these people. Oh, and looking at the insects above our head. Oh, yeah, let, yeah. let's go and eat east of that. It's the great thing about bats, you know, that they, they actually come to you. Most wildlife runs away from us. But they actually come, come and have a look. Here he comes again. I've never even seen bats in my life. Ever. They're really nice sending. It's kind of funny that we put bats beside Halloween, as this is actually the time of year when bats go into hibernation. Typically around October and November, bats will settle into their winter slumber, not emerging again until around March. Mysteriously, according to Bat Conservation Ireland, there is very little known about where bats hibernate in winter. The summer roosts they find in attics and houses are usually too warm. Ideally in hibernation, bats need temperatures of a cool 7 degrees. In Britain, they've built costly underground structures to do the job, but this hasn't happened here yet. So they might choose caves, bridges, crevices and stone outbuildings, or even tree holes, or a friendly neighbourhood bat box. We've spoken before about the importance of making space for nature on farms, and it's something Donna and her family are passionate about, putting up over 50 bat boxes on their land to date. Donna designed false rafters backed with felt, which costs less than 20 euro each, and crucially achieves just the right temperature bats need in the winter. I'm Brian Keeley and I'm with Bat Conservation Ireland and with Wildlife Surveys Ireland. It's all been very strange uh, dealing with the bats over the years. I, I do remember very early on and we, we always kind of said about bats won't get caught in your hair and won't get tangled. And I remember them, a friend was looking after a bat which when we were practising its flying it landed and st- onto her nose. That was probably one of the more unusual ones. But uh, they're incredibly adept creatures. I was just saying I spent one night there recently chasing five bats around someone's house because they'd built into a, a roost and the bats were wandering into their house so trying to catch them can be quite challenging because they are really really good at avoiding you so we had uh, up and down stairs for many minutes you know chasing the bat until we finally caught it they'll always keep you kind of excited but uh, they're utterly harmless if people do come across them my kind of voluntary work with Bat Conservation Ireland because I'm on the council we've been trying to kind of encourage first of all a change in attitude from people for a long time and, and then a change in policy and change in, in the protection levels for bats and I've been delighted by how people have changed in that attitude to bats I've been involved for over 30 years in conservation work and there has been a huge change in how people see bats they're not the, the scary creature that people thought of at the time so that's been very reassuring very encouraging there's a big response and even you can see from the turnout tonight there's a big interest in, in bats now and, and not that fear that people had in the past there are lots of old wives tales about bats one is that they drink human blood which they really do not in fact many bats hoover up mosquitoes actually helping deal with the real bloodsuckers of the world Another is that bats are blind. They actually have small eyes that help them see at night. Bright lights are really bad for bats. Anyone have any ideas why bats wouldn't like lights? Their eyes. Their eyes? Yeah, it hurts their eyes. Also, since they like using the dark for hunting, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they like living in the dark. Also, because they really don't like light, so they kind of fall asleep when you get light. Yeah, they don't know whether it's day or night time. That's a thing. That's exactly right. They don't come out till later if it's bright, and then they miss out on their feeding. It's like the opposite of us that we 
don't like the dark. Exactly. So we're always trying to make areas that are dark in communities. Dark sky areas where the light is kept low. One of the things that we've mentioned tonight on the walk a few times is, is lights. Kind of lighting up the world is, is wonderful in one way. It, it might look pretty, but it does have knock-on effects for nature. It affects bats very, very severely. It affects birds in many ways. We would say, if you're not using a light, switch it off. If you don't really need a light, don't use it at all. If you can possibly put the light down low so that it's not shining all the way up the building and, and up the way all but the trees do so. And these are all things that you personally can do to help wildlife yourself. I always say if I had like diplomatic immunity and I was allowed to commit one crime, you know, and not get prosecuted for it, I'd go around with a pelican and I'd just be shooting all these things, you know. On the opposite side, the worrying thing is that we can see the changes for bats. We can see even from areas where we would have seen lots of bat activity, you see the bat activity drop. So they're the things that I would worry about and that's the things we still work with with Bat Conservation Ireland that to encourage people to just think twice before they put on that pesticide or clear out those vegetations and put a plastic vegetation or put in plastic grass in their gardens. There is a knock-on effect to tidying things up or changing things to a plastic world. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Stephen Shanahan and I live in Cabra. By profession I'm a landscape gardener so I should have a nicely manicured garden but I love kind of wildlife and so I've let it, not rewild, but I've let it go fairly feral. Lots of nettle, teasel, thistle. Big in a pond at the minute. I have two small ones but I want to put in a bigger pond. Native hedgerow, so like hawthorn hazel, uh, galder rose. As Donna said, build it and they'll come. Like so, when we put up the bat monitoring equipment, yeah, we had a brown long-eared bat who had visited the garden of an evening, so they're not that common in Cabra, so there's not too many records. So I was delighted, yeah. So hopefully when I get the pond dug, I'll have the dog Bentons coming in. Obviously to have bats, you need the insects. So if you have kind of a tapestry of different plants, native if you can have native, leave little areas unattended, so long grass, meadow plants, you know, like knapweed and like lovely native wildflowers that will grow in grassland. A pond, water, that'll attract instantly a whole load of life. Even like a small bucket of water with mosquito larvae will feed bats. Yeah, any, anything like that, any, any form of water, obviously with children be mindful make it safe lots of insects will feed off the foliage of willow so obviously their larvae their caterpillars will feed not just the bats but the blue tits in the spring as well so yeah like it sounds strange that to save wildlife garden but if you plant the right things you'll get the wildlife so in the case of bats if you plant things like night scented stock or honeysuckle or nicotiana plants like that that attract and, and support moths you'll encourage the moths you'll encourage a variety of flies and you'll encourage the bats. You know, even planting those things and not taking out the ivy that you thought was, was a nuisance because ivy itself is a wonderful plant for many insects and then for birds and bats as well. So don't leave things too tidy. Plant in particular for, for wildlife. Don't replace your grass with, with, with plastic grass. So they're all things that certainly we would be always encouraging people to do. We've done some work in some of the public parks and that and where the councils have left the grass long, you see more insects, you see more birds, you see more bats. There's just greater amounts of wildlife. These things, they do make a difference. Even that tiny garden that you have behind you could make a difference. And we've talked tonight about things like stepping stones. You could create stepping stones for wildlife through an area that might on the surface look like it, it's very hostile. But if you create those little stepping stones, you know, wildlife will take advantage. And quickly enough, animals and plants will take advantage of the opportunities you provide them. Some people even think bats can get stuck in your hair. In reality, bats are not interested in your hair at all. They may fly close to you in search of insects, 
but their amazing use of echolocation will prevent them from landing on you. Tommy, I'm seven, and we're looking for bats. I saw two bats. They're just flying around doing their stuff. I've seen bats before. I've got a bat detector. Okay, let's see if you can see the lines here. If it's around 50, just above 50, you've got a soprano. And then about 45, you'll have a common. And then way down here, you'll have lysers. But probably soprano is the one you're looking for at the moment. Do you want to have a look? That species there is another species. It's a common pipistrelle. So remember I said the soprano pipistrelle was very zigzaggy but had a high voice. And the common pipistrelle... <laughs> he's got a loud voice, this common pipistrelle, but he's, it's a lower voice than the other one. And sometimes on your detector you'll hear a zzzp, like, a, yeah, I don't know, like somebody blowing a bubble or something. And, and that's when they're catching an insect. They make that, you'll hear a strange noise on your detector. And, and that was a catching an insect. Anyone with the bat detector, you can just kind of move the dial slightly till you hear the sound the loudest. And whatever you hear the sounds the loudest is the, is the species that you've got. So if you hear the sound at 55 the loudest, then you have a soprano pipistrelle. And if it's 45 the loudest, then you have a common pipistrelle. It sounds kind of squeaky. It sounds like squeak. It's like a line, circle, line, circle. So like squeaky. And then like it like feels like a blob or something. It sounds like kind of like that. Just a bit above your head. My favourite fact. I already knew about it, but I never knew about it. How many bats can just float across water? I think it's amazing that they have the skill and have developed all of that while having all the problems with light and still having the same routine to go down, get the bugs, fly back up to their nest. This whole event was organised by Connecting Cabra as part of the Cabra Biodiversity Action Plan. It was done in collaboration with DCC Biodiversity Officer Lorraine Bull. The range of people who came along shows what a massive interest there is in the biodiversity that shares our towns and city with us. Hearing the bat detectors projecting the sound of bats as they swooped over and past the excited crowd was genuinely thrilling. A huge thanks to the organisers and particularly Donna and Brian, whose work on bats and other creatures through Wildlife Surveys Ireland is so important. To find out more about how you can help bats, just search online. Bat Conservation Ireland has some excellent tips and do important work. They could also use our help. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm scared of bats anymore. The next time you take a walk with your family after dark, don't forget to look up. Who knows what you might see? Or who? My name is Jack. I'm nine. So we've seen a few bats. It's the first I've ever seen any bats. Um, I thought they were pretty cool. I'm Frank. I'm ten years old. And today I'm here for our bat walk. I think it's important because we need to have an understanding of how and why we should take care of them. And it's nice to see them and see how everyone who hasn't been on any of them, some kids who are even six, could be 
laughing or just looking at the bats enjoying it. Well, I knew about pipistrels, I knew a lot of the names of them, but I thought today was a great way to learn more and to see how much other people are interested rather than just me and my family going out to some woods to do a walk. It was really good. We saw a load of pipistrels trails and I got to hold a bat detector. It was really loud and really cool. I've never seen any bats before. It was really fun staying up late looking at the bats. Other kids should look for bats in their area. I'm really glad I saw some bats. I didn't know there were any bats in Cabra. It's a nice feeling to see my parents and all the people around them interacting and trying to help. To see young people getting excited about creatures big and small, like the bats, just brings me such joy. There's one teenager here tonight who I took on a bat walk during the summer and he made his own bat monitors. He made four of them and brought them along this evening. He's only 15 and I just think that that's incredible to have a young person so excited about something as cool as being able to see and hear bats at the same time. Ecolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin and presented by me, Evie Kenny. This is Anne. RTE Junior Podcast! For more sorts of RTE Kids Podcast!